For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Good morning from the Neil Prandival Show on this Wednesday morning. And we have a very special programme lined up for you today. Some of the most memorable moments from the Neil Prandival Show. Some of them are tough. Some of them are happy. Some of them are sad. Some of them are very engaging. Some of them are informative. But over the past year, we're going to listen this morning to the calls that have kept us listening and to the stories, the heartfelt stories from the people of Cork. We're going to kick off with this one. Now, it does contain references to suicide. So please, listener discretion is advised on this first interview. In December, Carol bravely told Neil about the recent death of her husband, Shane, in a bid to commend and highlight the work done by those involved in his search. Have a listen. Thank you, Carol, for taking the call. Good morning. Hi, Neil. I'm very, very sorry for your troubles and to hear of the loss of your husband. Um, Really and truly heartbreaking. And and it's difficult even for you to come on air and have this conversation, considering that sadly he he, he died by his own hand, the misfortune. Yeah. Um, But... Out of this, hopefully some good will come because you had the assistance of um, Sarda Search and Rescue and their Search and Rescue dogs, isn't that right? Yes. And the Civil Defence as well. And the Gardaí, they were were just beyond, beyond amazing. Yeah. Each and every one. Who brought your husband home to you? He did. Okay. Now, how much are you comfortable of telling me what happened? Um, well, I was listening to a story on your radio station last week where upon a girl came across another girl. That's right, I was chatting with her I think year. I kind of got the end of it. Yeah. And little did I know that I would be in the same nightmare 12 hours later. I know, I know. There were two women walking in the woods and they came yeah. across, yeah. Yeah. But mind you, them being in the woods at that time actually saved a life. Yeah. 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 Twelve hours later, um, was it you just couldn't contact him? Was it? Um, it was the Monday. Um, I'd been in contact all week with him. Um, just wanted to. He, he was a photographer, so I was used to him not being home, going away for days on end, and coming back with looking for clean clothes and more food and. Um, because they had to be up so early to catch sunrise and okay, was it was it a wildlife and uh, and and yeah, uh, wildlife. And he loved wildlife. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely loved wildlife photography. And he was in Killarney for the past few weeks with um, I don't know if you've heard of it, the rush that goes on. No, what's that? Um, it's the stags they fight. Ah, okay, it's rotting stags. I have you, yeah. and yes, he photographed that season. Yeah, yeah. So he could be seen in Killarney was, or he could be, I think he, he went to Kugambara yeah. a lot, which is spectacular. Yeah. yeah. It was running late this year because the weather was so mild. Yeah, yeah. It's usually really, really cold weather before they start. So he was down there weeks and weeks and weeks trying to get this magical shot that only, I suppose, he knew what he wanted. Was he a professional photographer then, in the, in the sense that that was he his was career? Just starting, it was just starting to to blow up for him. Yeah. Um, I gave it, I gave him a present um, a few years ago of a, a camera kit as a birthday present, yeah. and it just took off from there. He got the bug. Yes. Yeah. An expensive bug. Yeah. I, I kind of 
made a rod for my own back as such. <laughs> needs to be honest, yeah. But Cameras can be expensive and all yeah. that goes with them, all of the kit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he just lit up when he spoke about us. He was he was just like a child at Christmas. But so had you known had you known he'd anyway. gone off on a photo shoot then? He he went off and he said, um, Carl, I'll be back in a few days, just clearing the hedge and I said, just keep in touch. So we just watched that over and back and over and back and then I didn't hear anything at the weekend, which wasn't unusual. So didn't take any notice. It was one day. Then I got two matter of fact emails which he never emailed through about his cameras, um, what to do with them, who to bring them to, um, who who would give me the best deal on them, who where to go, and um, the other one was about his van, and I just couldn't understand what they meant. So I thought. At that stage, it still didn't. It didn't trigger anything. I just thought, you don't contact me for a day or two, and then you send me two silly emails about your cameras and your van. Because he was going to get the van DOE, so that's what I thought he meant when he said it was done. So with that, um, I said I would never in a million years sell any of your cameras because you love them. And I love you, and I'll always love you. So, hear no more, then. And then, Tuesday, still didn't hear anything. So, I went, left my house here about 6 a.m., and I just drove all over Clarny and go Gumbar. I just searched everywhere for him that I, you, I thought he would be. Were you ringing and texting and all that kind of thing as well? I, I wasn't. At the time, I just didn't want to panic anyone. I wanted to find him first. Which No ringing him? Was, yeah, constantly. Constant. The phone just... Constant. I just kept it on, on redial. I kept pressing it. But I rang and rang and rang and rang, and it just... It, See, he would not get a message minder because he said, no, because everyone would drive me crazy trying to contact me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he didn't have that kick in as such. So I just, I just kept, I just went around for hours and I drove, oh, I must have drove onto five or six that evening until it started to get dark. Mother of God, that's close um, to 12 hours of driving around the roads yeah. of Killarney, Guganbarra and all yeah. other spots like that. Everywhere that I could think of that he, he loved. Um, so I rang his mum and I said, just answer me a question. Did, did Shane contact you? Did you hear from him? And she said, no. And I said, I can't find him. So the poor woman then got so upset and I had to hang up because all I wanted was information at this stage. So I rang his aunt and asked the same question she hadn't and I told her to contact everyone else and that I was going straight to talk her guards. Um, so I went to the guards and they were asking the usual questions. Um, you know, it, van, wedge, height, all, this, all the different bits. And with that, his brother Ronan from McCroom came straight up from, from McCroom to Cork because when I came out of the police station and um, Shane's aunt was waiting for me so she said follow her to her house and we'll all meet and we'll figure it out we'll, right. we'll check check everything we'll kind of 
throw ideas off each other as such. And, and do you know, mind me? I, I, hate, I hate interrupting, but you did say that when, he, when Shane said, I'm, I'm going to go away for a few days, to clear the head, was he struggling? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of nitpicking okay. everything, okay. every conversation over the past. Yeah, you're forensically going months. through the past. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. But as I was, I've been told over and over again this week, I, I might never know. So you all gathered then, you all gathered together. We all gathered, formatted, yeah. a, formatted a plan, was it? Yes. Yeah. And... I put my phone in the middle and I said, read everything that's on the phone. And they were kind of, oh, we don't want I said, please just read it, read it. And I, you might see something that I don't see. So They must that, have been alarmed then if they read about sell the cameras and sell the van yes, then. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So his brother read the van email and it said, van is done um, at Gar- at Lagara, which I didn't. It was misspelled. I didn't know what it meant. Um, well, we don't need we don't we don't need to know much of the detail there yeah. for for personal yeah. reasons. But he had a he, yeah. had, he had that. Well, he figured anyway. it out basically. He did, yeah. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So, at what and stage then did an actual search kick in proper? I mean, I know you had spent ten or an hour hours. later. Yeah. Okay. An hour later, because. When he read the message, he understood it and he sent his wife to the area and she said the van was there. So then it kicked off from there. Okay. And I, I don't want to know where, okay? Um, yeah. Just, okay. just again, for uh, reasons of yeah. of sensitivity to people who might themselves be struggling and, 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 and I'm not going to, exactly. I'm not going to go yeah. in into any of the details. So don't you worry about no. that, Carol. Um, okay. God love Shane. It's, it, it, it's it's what I want to do from now. I know. No so way. at that when 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 the van was found, then because um, of course the guardi were involved then, and did they bring yes. in search and rescue at that stage? Every they came from everywhere. They just came from everywhere. But the weather that night, if you remember, it was so wet, foggy, really, really raining, misty, misty rain, and they. They sent for the helicopter, but it only managed to get to the Cork Airport. They had to go turn back because of fog. Um, civil defence, the Gardaí from all the surrounding areas came. Even from as far as Mallow, they came in. Isn't that amazing? The fire, the fire brigade came to open the van. Um, so they opened the van and he wasn't in it. So they, they they broke the front window then to check with the phone. He he was after leaving the phone in the glove compartment. So he never got any of those phone calls anyway. You res- you reaching out to him desperately all the yeah. time. Yeah. And everyone else he never saw. How much he was loved and how many people cared. Yeah. But he knew me and he was told every single day of his life because I just absolutely adored him. Well, sure, I know that, but I'm talking about in the moment, in those last in 10 or moment, 12 hours, yeah. you know. Yeah. Of course you did. In and the you, moment, you know, yeah. without a doubt you did. You know. But yeah, um, they sent the civil defence in that night, but, and they went all a good bit into the area, but they just couldn't see anything. They had their lights, but it was, the weather was just too bad. So we decided to reconvene at 8 in the morning 
to start again. Um, Did you stay there all night? I, I I wanted to stay, but of course Shane's family. Oh my God, they're they're beyond amazing. They they brought me home, even though I, I wanted to. I would I would have sat there all night. Maybe, to be honest with you, in the, I didn't care. Look, the rain didn't bother me. No. But I actually left home again the following morning at, at um, four five. I couldn't sleep. I came home and I just sat there. Always with the so, hope that he would still be alive, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That he'd be found in time. So, yeah. at this stage, now we were still only searching, so that there was huge, well, on my part, there was a huge hope that he was just somewhere that he fell or he fell or something or other, you know. So, I, I drove that road again that morning at six, before six, and I arrived at 6.30 and the guard of car was there, they had left a guard of car there all night um, in the area but the van was after being removed at this stage um, and everything then about when it just started getting a bit brighter because with the winter mornings it just took ages for the light to come in so um, all the civil defence arrived and the helicopter was on the way again but they set up all their their systems they have to set up oh my god it's like it's like something from CSI yeah to yeah. explain it they just have to put a big huge um, map and grid and then systematically go through it yeah as and the volunteers go out and when you say volunteers now who, whom are they they all have full-time jobs, Neil, and I don't know half of their names. There'll be the local civil, de- civil defence. Yes, yeah. yeah. They came that night. Um, before we they were all volunteers. They had finished. They left their families that night for me and came out to search. I mean, I'm a stranger. They came out to search for my husband. A stranger as well. They, they are just... I don't know how to describe it, Neil. They're You're describing just, it very well, Carol. You're and describing it very well. Beyond, they really do. And tell me a little bit about Tracker the dog. Oh, my God. He came, then I think it was about 9.30 before Tracker and Jean came. And they went off out. At this stage, you know, there was three groups of civil defence gone out and they were in contact with the main van, we'll say, um, through the radio. So each time they checked an area, it got ticked off. So Tracker came and there was still no news. So she went out with Tracker and we just prayed. In the background, I didn't realise that all the guards had been going door, door to door in the area, which I, I never knew. I only found that out later on. They went kind of so many miles either side of the area to try and find him. Yeah, massive operation. Just, yeah, just in case he he was in a B and B or you know whatever yeah. a hotel yeah. or yeah. about one o'clock I think it was it was one we got word that and um, see I I stupidly thought I had. I had someone's clothes in my in the car, and I asked Jean. I said, "Does the dog need to sniff his clothes?" Thinking like like it does on the TV that 
But he needed his scent. So what he said, no. And he said, the dog is trained to find bodies. It doesn't matter what scent. That's his job. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just these stupid things that you see on the TV. It's not stupid. I thought. No, it's not stupid. I thought the very same thing. Yeah, that they, they do. Yeah. Um, but he didn't. So he went off. Um, it, he he just trained specifically for that. So he went off, and just at lunchtime, he, he located a body. But still, even then, Neil, I just thought, oh my God, some other poor family, some other poor family now they're that person is out here. I still didn't, I still didn't want to think that it was my husband. Yeah. Even then when, when the, the guard brought back his, his, his bits he had, I, I recognised him straight away. But I still didn't want to accept it until I actually saw him I on know. my own. You know? I know. I know, the poor misfortune. I know. Heartbreaking. Oh my God, I never thought I would be talking to you on the radio station this morning about this. I know. And subsequent to the tragedy, of course, into the yeah. house came. Into the house came Christmas all his present. Christmas presents on Tuesday. Because I, I, I used to get killed. I, I had him absolutely spied rotten. He was ruined. He was actually. And he ruined me, but I just went. When I saw stuff, I said, oh my God, he'd love that, or he'd like this, or... I know. So I, I researched for a photography jacket, um, and I located one that was just after being released in Denmark. I think it was Denmark or Switzerland. And it's a seven and one. It's three jackets in one. Specifically um, for yeah, photographers. specifically for photographers. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you mind if I pick up on that part of our conversation just after no a short problem, break? Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay, thanks, yeah. Carol. Thank you. I'll come back to you after the break. Let me remind you guys um, uh, with regards to helpline phone numbers, as always, which is very important if you're disturbed or upset by my conversation with Carol. Samaritans are on 116123, 116123. If you're struggling, our Pieta House, it's a 1-800 number, 247-247, 1-800-247-247. Or you can text the word HELP to Pieta House, the word HELP to 5144. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Welcome back to the Neil Prenderville Show on this Wednesday morning, the 13th of September. Now, welcome back. And once again, we rejoin Neil and Carol, bravely telling Neil about the recent death of her husband, Shane, and looking positively, commending the actions and highlight of the work done by those involved in his search. Please remember that the Samaritans are always available on 116-123. That's 116-123. Carol, thank you so much for holding. How, how are you coping? Okay. Like, how are, how are you dealing? Undoubtedly, must be feeling very alone and lonely, but do yeah. you have any element of understanding or is it yeah. confusion or, or what? It, 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 um, I the easiest way to describe it, Neil, it's just like, it's like, a, it's like waves. You're okay one second. I mean, I'm after having so many meltdowns between enormous shops 
and people are so I had simple thing before the funeral um, I wear alien perfume and he loved the smell of it and it was gone and I just had to have it for the funeral because in my head even though I know in my rational head he can't smell it I had to have it yes of course you did so when I went to Sam McCauley's in Douglas, there was a lady there and God love her. She was looking at stuff and pricing stuff. Normal, normal things. But to say, I was running late and she looked and she said, um, I'm not holding you up. And I said, you actually are. I said, I have to go to a funeral. So, and then I just completely broke down. I just... And was she kind and, to you? Oh my God, she was hugging, hugging me and she... Just took a little angel out of her bag and gave it to me. She said, this is all I have, but I want you to have it. Was she a worker <laughs> there or was she a customer? No, she was a customer. She was so sweet. And I said, I, I haven't time. I said, just leave your details with the chemist and I, I will contact you. But people are just, they're beyond amazing. I, mean, I, I know you always said it and I always said it, you never know what's going on in someone's head when someone enters the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even yesterday I went out to um, Brackens and Blackpool because I wanted to get cakes for the, my hairdresser. She has she opened up the salon especially. I don't even ask me how I even got there on Thursday morning at 7am for me just to do so do my hair without no one being around me. Mm. It's just to say thank you. All these little jobs, I yeah. think, are just distracting me. So well, then. if they are, yeah, that's good. Yeah. But don't yeah. feel don't feel that you need to put yourself under any pressure. People will understand, yeah. you know. I know. As, I know. as well as that, you're probably reeling through your head as to, you know, why, yeah. why, why, why? And I don't me? want to be in the house because his stuff, his stuff is everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. I know. I won't. I won't dwell on on, on upsetting you. Um, I know that the jacket, of course, arrived, and it's a incidentally, yeah. it's a, it's a fabulous, it's a fabulous jacket. Amazing, yeah. absolutely amazing. And, and he, he would have would loved have it. Absolutely loved it. But would. What I what I wanted. That's the only reason I emailed, not to come on and, and tell my story about Shane. I just wanted you and me just to do. Um, some kind of competition on your on your show, um, where people I don't know uh, uh, you might well, know better. Well, we, well, he, you, we have the we have the jacket, which would have yeah. been his Christmas gift, and again, yes. it's, a, it's a fabulous jacket. Yes, it, yes, it is. Um, you know, it's it's got all, everything that you would need if you were into yeah. your photography, because they've got a lot of bits and pieces and gadgets and attachments and everything pockets for that and. But, yes. but, it, but it actually is a beautiful outdoor, it is even, a beautiful yeah, outdoor jacket. Even if you wanted it, it's an outdoor jacket it, for outdoor yeah, that's, I agree with you. Yeah. It is an outdoor jacket. Yeah. And, and if you could raise some money for, yeah. because it was Sarda, Sarda Search and Rescue Dogs, Tracker the Search and Rescue Tracker Dog. Tracker yeah. as, yeah. as well as the Civil Defence as well and yeah. the Gardaí and all of the volunteers and, and indeed everybody who came even off-duty, yeah. ambulance, fire brigade, all, all everyone, of them, as you said, everyone. to help to find yeah. a stranger to them. A stranger. Yeah. But yeah. W- would you like to see if some money could be donated to Sarda? Yes. Yes, I would love it because that's what we did at um, the funeral. Instead of flowers, I wanted I put a box there 
instead because flowers as beautiful as they are you know they don't I would rather go to because they're all volunteers Neil. They were, this woman came out and spent three hours with her dog for free for, for free with her dog to find my husband I think it would yes, be I think yes. it would be a lovely thing um, to maybe ask and and people you know it, it, it's not the best time ever with regards to I the know, cost of living I that know, we have I know, and Christmas and everything. No but money, but I, I think I think one of the really powerful parts of this tragic story is the people who came to help. And you spoke yeah. about that so yeah. well, all, all of them. Yeah. And, and again, I would say again, think twice before you criticize our guardie. Because this is what they oh really do. God. This they is what just, they really I mean, do. And we never hear of it, but this is what, you know, the no, civil defense of the no. same, ambulance, yeah. fire brigade, uh, yeah, you know. All of them. Search uh, and even, rescue even groups. No, or normal people, ordinary people. Volunteers, yeah. You know, they just, I mean, that night, Neil, one minute there was one guard car there. And when I looked again, there were seven. They came from absolutely every part. I don't know where they came from. Yeah, I, I, I want to get my thinking. Mallow. I need to get my thinking cap on to wonder how best it would be to do this. I, um, what if people would just like to donate some money yeah. to Sarda Search and Rescue, and that you would keep the jacket in 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 memory of Shane? <laughs> yeah, maybe. No. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't mind. I just thought, you know, that you'd kind of need something. First well, if you, I mean, we certainly could encourage people to donate um, and see if we can raise some money for Sarda Search and Rescue and the work that Tracker did bringing yeah. your beautiful for husband him. home. Yeah. Um, and, and perhaps give the jacket away then in a raffle or something, you know. Yes. Yeah. Would be lovely. Okay. Okay. That would be lovely. I, okay. I, I, I don't mind. You know better than me. I don't know which way. I just want, I just want, because if you know the same guy, he, he would do anything for anyone. From from a small child to a person of 90, he had such yeah. a great way about him. And I did notice in the email at the end, as you said, thank you to so many people, all of the amazing people to help to find Shane and bring him home to you. You say yeah. he chose a stunning place to be with, or to, oh he, he chose a stunning yeah. place to be, yeah, which be. was ultimately to be his last trip. Do you take yeah. consolation from that? A beautiful place I do, where he was I at do, peace in I, that place. When I, oh God, love us, I, I think I made the guards. I made them bring me to him because I wanted to physically see him. Um, but we were walking for a good bit and they didn't want me to go there because of the conditions and the, the muck. And I said, I, I don't care about muck. I don't care. I just want to see his face. But when we got to the clearing, he was just, if I, if I wasn't there for what I was there for, where, where he was was just, it was just stunning. Stunning to him as well. The water. Yes. Yeah. 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 He loved the water. He absolutely loved and loved nature and would stay out, could stay out for 10 hours for one shot, Neil. Just know. one particular shot. That's what they're like. That's their whole life, that one he shot. Just, yeah, he fell. He absolutely, it was like, he loved it. It just, 
I don't know how to describe it. No, no. He I just know. he lit up when he when when someone asked him about his pictures or asked him a question about the camera or and he used to tell me all the different settings and I'd say, Oh yeah, yeah. But it would go over my head. I know. I, I didn't understand it. You're going to have some tough times ahead, Carol, and uh, I know yeah. that family and friends yeah. are so good to you, and, and, and Christmas is here. Um, oh, Christmas is kind of me. Oh, sure, <laughs> listen, don't even talk to me. I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay. Our wedding anniversary is on the 28th of December as well. So that's, that's how we see he knows I love Christmas. And we would have been five years married on the 28th, even though we're together 21 years. You know, you have a lot of happy memories, I'm sure, of all of yes. those times, you know. So I know if he didn't have to go, he wouldn't have, because he wouldn't do anything in the world to upset me anyway. Do you have his he photography? Do you, do you have his camera, his, his photographs? Oh, my God, everything. Do you I have his photographs? Have yeah, thousands. I brought a beautiful print to the funeral. Wouldn't it be a lovely yes. thing? I just because Desi was on there while he says, why, "Why don't you try and organise an exhibition of Shane's photographs and raise some money oh through that?" Oh my God, I would love it. Wouldn't yeah. that be lovely in the new year? Yeah. An exhibition yeah. and just to show his talent his, in his, his photography. Self, yeah. And also, w- what about people just making a donation to SardaIreland dot com? Anything, Neil? Yeah, and okay. I, I know people are going to are struggling with money, but um. And they don't, even the tiniest, even, I'm not being crazy, even five euro, because all these people do this for, for, for no reward, yes. except the reward they give the people. Volunteering in so many yeah. different ways. Okay, we, we've a lot to work with here. Certainly, I think the new yeah. year, I think we certainly should organise uh, an exhibition okay. of Shane's work. I think it would be a great oh tribute God. to he the man. Would, he, he would actually be silent. He just... Smiling down. Yeah, let's. Well, consider that as done, and that's certainly okay. doable. Um, and I'll come back to you again in the next few hours and come up with a more okay. solid with a more solid plan. Um, I think we're in, getting in touch with Sarda as well ourselves, um, okay. and they may well be able to help us because you want to help them. But the people yeah. of Cork are very kind and generous, and will be touched by my conversation with you. So at yeah. least some good will come from this. Okay. If they understood me, what else? The Korean Carol. You are a credit to yourself oh. and you're a credit to Shane. Look after I, yourself I, now. I'm his voice, no Neil. I know you are. And a fine voice and you someone, are. Someone said to me the other day, and some stars shine a little too bright for this world, and yeah. Shane will shine on. I know it. Just as a little consolation for us, some lovely texts coming in. I'll just leave you with one. I'm just hearing about Shane now, a lovely, kind man. He taught me so much about photography. My deepest condolences to Carol and yeah. the family. He was such a kind man who loved Carol yeah. so much. Never yeah. a photography session went by without him mentioning Carol and how much he loved her. And that's a text from Shelley. He loved you, oh, he loved you, Carol. Yeah. He loved you an awful lot. He loved you and it must have been heartbreaking for him to leave you. To leave me. All right. Okay. Listen, mind yourself. Thanks, Neil. All right, Carol. Take care for a while. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Welcome back to this Wednesday morning special where we're playing the most memorable moments from the Neil Prenderville Show over the past year. The calls that have kept us listening. The stories from the people of Cork. Now, if anyone was affected by Neil's interview with Carol and would like to discuss any issues that may have arisen, then the Samaritans are always available and you can get help uh, directly and all the help you need on 116123. That's their phone number, 116123. Now we go back to December when Matt spoke to Neil about his uh, experience in jail and his regret at the life he once lived. Matt, good morning. Hello, Neil. Were you in jail or were you? I was, yes, Neil, yes, okay. yes. But I, I'm sorry about that, I was. Because okay. uh, I, I, I'm getting a remorse, you know? Are you? Why? Uh, I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan. You're an orphan. Were you in... Yes. Were you, so you were you reared in an orphanage? I was in board school, yes. Okay. The, the I, age I, of two, I, I, I believe. I'll get my back in a minute. I'll be grand. Okay. I'll be grand now. Okay. I, I, but I am. It's just a what ha- So you, you, you were an orphan reared in a That's right. boarding school That's right. from the age of two. That's right. I went down to Cork then. Yeah. Then you went to Lota. That's right. And right. then I was in uh, Cap Quinn when I was two years of age. Right. And you yeah. ran away from Lota, did you? I ran away, yes, yes, okay. yes. right. And you went a bit off the rails, is it any wonder you went off the rails? I was trying to find my own way in life, Neil. Okay. How how did that work out for you? I was dyslexia. I couldn't spell or read. But uh, I learned the hard way. I had to find out. I had to be streetwise. But I'm a very clever uh, uh, person. When you ran away from Lota at the age of 15, where did you go? I went over to England. How How did you manage to do that? Uh, the boat, B and I, you know the boat that time, Dennis Fallon. How did you manage to get the fare? Well, you know, I robbed this and whatever I had to do, like yeah, I because I, I was I was uh, I ran away from the boarding school over the abuse and all like that, uh, things like that, like yeah. Did you I suffer? Did you I suffer abuse as a child? I, I, I was abused as a child, yes. And uh, I, I got compensation for that. Okay, for that. which you're entitled yeah. for. So a 15-year-old yeah, yeah. runs away. Yeah. Ro- r- r- where'd you rob the money? I, would, uh, I was, uh, you know, from the teacher in the school, my okay. teacher, I, I, I was in the classroom and they, they all went out and I made coffee for them uh, in the school because I was very good with my hands. Yeah. I was doing carpentry. They taught me carpentry there, how to make picture frames and all that. All right, okay. So the productivity... But he was a lovely brother. Okay. There's good and bad. Right. Where did you get the money, though? I robbed it from the teacher. Okay. And then you legged it and got a ticket for I the, legged, for the right, ferry. Yes, yeah. yes. And you went yes. 15 years old. Was it in the 70s? In the 70s, that's right. Okay. So you got the ferry to and what? I went, like, I, went over to, I went over to Cricklewood. But wait I a second. Say, first I, first I you're said, a 15 year old, you had, said, to, I, you had to get to Fish Guard, was it? No, whatever it is, I forget now where it was. But did you get a Did you uh, get a bus then to London? Like, was it? Well, over to Cricklewood, twenty-two Cricks Road. Cricklewood, yeah. The, the Irish Centre. The Irish Centre. What did you do when I you got to, go to Cricklewood? I used to go to the big, the big Tom dance halls there at that time. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was fond of the drink then as well, but I don't drink or smoke now or anything. I never did smoke, but so I, I was lonely in the pub. I just uh, just to have a fag, something in the hand to. Uh, 
because I couldn't communicate with people. Okay, okay. So yeah. you're 15 years old and you're in Cricklewood. Um, yeah. Did you did you find somewhere to live? Did uh... Oh, I did. I stayed in Cricklewood, the Irish Centre. It's eight pound a week. And did you I get a job? Board. I got football. I got a job in the business side. I, I I was more mature for my age. I pretended that I was such. I was clever, like I'm clever in my own way. Right. Okay. And did yeah. you stay long on the building sites in London? No, I didn't. I didn't like England at all. It's too fast. The pace is too fast. Were well, you very lonely, lonely as a small fellow there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the pub was your only place to go, like the, the pub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That led to its own problems, did it? That led to its own problems, yesterday, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when did you fall foul of the law then? Well, when I came back, when I, I joined the Navy and things like that. I, I was underage when I joined the Navy. I came back. I joined the, I joined the, con- I joined the barracks in Waterford first. They brought me down to the hard board in, in uh, Spike Island. Joined the Navy. Uh, the hard board in Ringerskiddy. When did you rob the post office, though? Uh, that was after a while, a couple of years after that then. like. Why'd you I, do, why'd you do that? Because I had no money and I was I was trying to survive. I had no friends. Uh, I know. She had a shock. She had a shocking start to life. She had everything loaded against you. But uh, I had to survive, and I regret that. And we, people think I'm a saint. I go to mass every day. People think you're a saint. That's right. Sure, all right. You've paid your price, man. You're I okay. Know. Okay, so you robbed the post office. You were caught. That's right. Yeah. You went to jail for it. That's right. How old were you at that stage? I, I must have been about so 17, 18, or whatever it was. You didn't stay long in London then? No, I didn't. I, I, went, I came back and I went over again. But did, I just trying to find my own way in life. And how were you caught? Like, from, Did you get away with much money? I gave myself in. I gave myself because I felt guilty. You walked into the guard station. That's right, yes. Well, in fairness to you, that's a very brave thing to do. Yeah. What did they say? What did they say? Did you have the money spent to that? Was was it much money? It was about one thousand three hundred that time. So an awful lot of money then, wasn't it? It was. Did that money? Did that money frighten you? The amount of it. It didn't. No, I I just wanted to get a life. Uh, Tried to go to dance halls and things. But I, I couldn't meet a girl in my life. So you had thirteen hundred pounds. You had thirteen hundred pounds in your pocket as a teenager, and you still went and surrendered and gave yourself up to the guards. That's right. Why? Because I felt guilty. You were Stop found. Yeah, and I, you were. You were. Al- you, yeah, you were very, very lonely, weren't you? I was. You were all on your own. That's right. No one in the world, not a mother, a father, no. brother, sister, friend, well, or I girlfriend. Found, I found my mother later on in life. Okay. There was no, there was no communication. Darren killed my Thomas. My, my, my mother is down in uh, Cadogan Shore, okay. but she passed on. Okay. Uh, there was no communication there. It was all hush hush. You never found out why you were given up as a baby or anything. Well, I didn't know what the reason, things like that. No, you don't know the reason. So you no. gave yourself up to the guards, and you got, you got jail for it, did you? I did, I did. Did anybody stop to think that you were put through? Did, did Well, I was, I, they put me to John Drum then, mental hospital. You were in Cork, jail? You John were in, Drum, mental hospital All right. as well. Okay. But you were in three different prisons. 
That's right, yes. Cork, Mountjoy and, and Dundrum Mental Hospital. All over, yes. Okay. I'm not hiding anything. I don't want to hide anything because I want to get my conscience clear. And tell me, were you in prison more than once? I was. How did you find jail? Tough? Well, I was used to boarding schools. It, it, it reminded me of a boarding school. But you get lonely. Um, but I, it, it was like, you know, I was, I was used to it. But in other times, then I got, I was so isolated in padded cells. That, um, padded um, cells, padded yeah, cells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were very unwell. I was very unwell. Yeah. Is all that behind you now? It is, but I, I just want to send people I'm sorry for what happened. And how's life for you now? It's great. Are you still all on your own and everything and alone? I am, yes, yes. But I have, a lot of, I have a lot of friends around. Yeah. And they think I'm a saint. And do you think you're not, is it? I think I'm not. Because of your past? Of my past, yes. But don't you, have, don't you have an awful lot of regrets, though? I do. Yeah. So do you not think that those regrets show that you're a type of person who should be given some form of forgiveness? I know. Well, I don't know. Should I be forgiven? Because I don't buy things. Of which you're all sorry for. I am. Yeah, and have you tried to make amends? I did. What I did. more can you do, Matt? I know. I know. You know, it sounds as if you're torturing yourself. I know, I know. No, I'm a good person. I know that, and my friends know that. Yeah, and you're all, and you gave up all, of, you gave up all of the drink and everything. Girls that I meet, they think I'm a saint. Yeah. But I'm hiding the past. I, I'm hiding all the time. You're hiding your past. I am. Yeah. Because you're ashamed of it. I am. Well, the only thing I can say to you is that it's very, very important that you're very respectful to people as you go through life, you know, men know. and women. Treat them with kindness and respect. Don't put but a hand, I, I, don't ever put a hand on people. No, I have a great time for women. Yeah. But I but, can't find a wife. I know. I know. But listen, you're still above ground considering everything you've been through from a two-year-old boy onwards. I'm I'm 50, uh, I'm I'm 65 now, or not 65. Listen, you know, you're you're saying sorry. All you can do is keep on saying sorry, you know. But, But at the same time, you need to try and live whatever is left of your life. And that could be... 30 or 40 years, you know. Try and feel better Try and feel better about yourself. Well, I was, I was 19 and a half stone one time without this depression. I'm, down, I'm back down to 15 now. But look, you have to always remember your upbringing. You had no proper upbringing as a child. Zero. I know. Yeah. You were never taught right from wrong. You didn't know, no. understand boundaries. No. Nothing. You, you were, no. you know, you were let down from a, from a baby. Yeah. No, I, I forgive my parents. I forgive everybody. Try and forgive yourself, will you? Yeah. Listen, try and forgive yourself. I know it's all very emotional for you, considering, you know, the past that you went through. All you can do is ask for forgiveness and try and live a better life. Isn't it true? Yeah, it is, yes. Try and stay positive, Matt, and try and put the past behind you for which you have paid dearly and move forward in your life. And don't be so hard on yourself. Be kind to people in every way you can. I know. know. All right? All right, Tony. And I'm delighted that you, you hopefully will try and make something better of your life and don't be cutting yourself up as much as you are, you All know. Right.
Thanks a million, Neil. Cheers, my friend. Look after yourself. Take care. Take care. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Welcome back to the second hour of the Neil Prenderville Show on this Wednesday morning, September 13th. This is Mick Mulcahy. We're taking a special troll through the archives this morning to bring you some of the better, some of the harder, some of the happy, some of the sad calls uh, that Neil had on the programme over the last 12 months. And this one had me glued to the radio. One of Neil's, honestly, most memorable calls. Neil chats here with Christine on the passing of her son, Leon, just six months previously. Chatting on the air yesterday morning with Bernard O'Hare, the uh, homeless advocate on Side. He helps the homeless and he himself has come through the horrors of addiction and has fought his way back and chatted with another chap on the air who did just the same. It can be done. Not everybody can do it. And God knows we lose way too many people in Cork uh, to the scourge of drugs, in particular heroin. It's never been as bad. We are in the grip of it and it is freely available. And you have drug dealers and gangs now making huge money and funneling kilos of heroin and cocaine and tablets and all sorts of amphetamines down into Cork on a, on a weekly on a weekly basis. But during the conversation with Bernard, uh, he did mention a chap that I, I spoke to on the air uh, a couple of times uh, down through the past few years, chap by the name of uh, Leon, and that was Leon Kavanagh. He was a very popular Cork man. He was only 31 years old. He passed away unexpectedly in March. Uh, in fact, he died uh, just days after he saved the life of another member of the Cork community who had taken an overdose of tablets. He was just a lovely, lovely, lovely guy with his own demons. God knows he tried. He had just turned 31 two days before his death, um, and uh, his family are absolutely heartbroken. His brother was in touch with me, and indeed so was his mam, Christine, and she joins me by phone. Christine, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Christine? Yeah, how are you, Poor misfortune. Our condolences with you and all of the family uh, on the passing of, of, of your son. God knows he tried. And, and listen, God knows all of you tried as well. You never gave up on him. He leaves behind no, he you me. and all of the family, but a beautiful partner and two children as well, I'm told. He had uh, Susan, Jamie and Lexi, first two kids. Oh, dear me. And he, he, it was just too strong for him. It was just too hard, wasn't it? Yeah, his addiction was very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. Beautifully uncle, but just the demons just kicked in, you know, on him. So he couldn't do anything. He tried and tried. And I was waiting for the day for the guard to knock at the door, and it did happen on Friday night. And you knew that that day would come sooner or later? Neil, I was waiting eight years. I buried a son five years ago, come up to Christmas, and I could never grieve for us because we were worried about Leon. So now I can grieve to two of them. You lost two sons? I did. Different circumstances. Different circumstances. Lost, passed away from an epileptic fit. Was his second fit in three weeks? Oh he was my 31 God. as well. He's a beautiful partner. Donna and two beautiful children, Kyle and Jordan. Mm. So now we've to grieve for two sons. Um, Leon was home. Or was was he was he on the streets, or would he come and go, or would he come and visit He'd you? Come or? And go. He'd come and go. But my rules, Leon couldn't accept him. 
and he'd come back and he'd say, Mom, I'll try to get clean. And I'd say, Grand, there's a bed there. And Monday morning it would come and Leon would go up the door and God love us, I wouldn't see him. Till I might see him on the, on, under a tent or sitting on the floor. Some days I'd go over and give him a sandwich, but he mightn't have known me. Oh, Christine, your misfortune. You would, you would, you would see him, you would approach him, um, and he wouldn't recognise you as his mother. No, no. Oh my so God. we tried, we tried. I had stepped over from Wales. She came over and took him back. He was over there for about two months. Came back on the ferry, got on the bus, got off at Turner Place, and went back onto the hurry. And would he have been clean and off it for the two months in Wales? Yeah, he was in Wales, yeah. My first stepdaughter, Ashley, came over, took him back. You know, a lot of people helped him, but God loves he couldn't help himself, you know. Did he do any I, treatment here, I wonder? He did. He went to Brewery. Yeah. Three weeks, he got caught the third week with a cigarette, and they left him go. Like the rules, I know our rules, but it was only a cigarette, God love us, and they put them out. Would that happen if you were caught smoking a fag, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I suppose their rules is, you know, you're in the rain addiction. But God love us, he tried and tried, and we all helped him, you know. I have seven other kids, and we all helped him, tried to do our best. Leon just couldn't. His addiction was too strong. Yeah. You know, God yeah. love us. He was destroyed. He was literally destroyed. You know, I, I, and as I said, Kaylee Lawless, you know of Kaylee. Kaylee yeah. done everything, tried to get him in somewhere. And this happened two years ago. Some girl paid for a month. It was Christmas of a B&B. When Jock paid the money with my daughter, Simone, my eldest child. And... She, the lady gave him the key so Leon went away out she went through his bag found out he was homeless and rang for the key to come back and put him out in the street again he didn't sleep there was that in a and b it was in a yeah oh dear me so then Kaylee was trying so to get him so he's back on the street again then having, yeah, th- having exactly. thought that he had the promise of somewhere to stay yeah. for a month yeah and we don't know if the girl who paid, the God love she paid, whatever she paid for it. A kind gesture. So, yeah. So Kaylee Lawless tried to get him in last year, like that now. I know when we accept him because he'd no false ID or passport. What homeless person? Polyon hadn't even a dole card. Mm. They knew him in the GPO. Mm. So what homeless person would have false ID? There's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days on uh, on the air that uh, maybe providing welfare on a weekly basis is keeping them in the grips of addiction because they're able to buy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I understand that. But like, there's 400 homeless people now, not all down to addiction. No, I know. As you know yourself. Yeah. This is Justin Cork. I was outside Paul Street with Kayleigh two weeks ago and we were speaking to a few of his friends I didn't know them but Kaylee brought me up to introduce me to them this lady came up behind my back and she said 
for those speaking to these effing junkies. What are you doing speaking to these effing junkies? Yeah, well, I am a very quiet person. I felt like running after and say, one of those was my child. He literally died on the street yeah. all over. Yeah. Yeah. You see, people don't realise what they're saying. Like they don't mm-hmm. realise that there's a story mm-hmm. behind and a family behind and people who love them. And yeah. can you and can you recall how 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 all of this started with with Leon? I actually, at the start, Neil, I was probably blind. I couldn't see. But I'm going to say it on the air. There was things going missing from my house. Rings, small things, you know, money for my And how old would he have been then, do do you know? Well, I suppose he'd have been 18, 19. And how was he in school? Did he manage to stick school? He did. He'd done done it up to his junior cert. He was a lovely young fella, you know, still a lovely young fella, God love us. He was just, he went down the wrong road. You know? So, so did, did you notice that he might have been hanging out with kind of some dodgy characters or that his, his, his pals were suspect or well, anything like that? I'd never blame anybody for my child's addiction, you know. No, and, I, and just talking about how it, how it began, and, and is it, has it to do with the company you keep or, you know, where and who you socialise with? Maybe Sony, yeah. maybe so, you know. So things started going missing at home that you yeah, think in hindsight yeah. might have been sold. Yeah, small things, you know. And like people would tell me, I met a guy yesterday, they're going over Baker's Road. And he told me that he met him down by Tesco one day and he said to the guy, could I have two euro, please? And he said, Leon, I have a fiver. No, I don't like taking notes. The Kaylee Lawless would tell you the very exact same. He didn't, he didn't like taking notes of anybody. Yeah, he thought it was too much, maybe. Yeah, yeah. the God loves him, the beautiful young fella, and you know, I never blamed Leon for his addiction. Never did, never will, you know. It's just that his addiction was so strong. But you knew he was using heroin, did you? You, you knew that's oh, what I it did, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you I ask, did you, him. would you chat with them about it or beg yeah, or plead with them? Yeah, and I Leon, look, we try, get, we try make it get clean. Because you're making these people millionaires. And he just looked at me. He said, Mom, you have a big addiction shopping. Because I love shopping. I'm always in town. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That, was his, that was his defence. That was, yes, yeah. but... Yeah, I know. I know. But, did he, but d- did he ever kind of say, I'm going to get clean. It's going to be fine. He I'm going to have a great life. And did he have... Was he making plans? He did, Neil. I actually haven't it with me. He came up four years ago with a birthday card. My birthday's in the end of November, it was the start of December. He handed me a card and we actually read it. Claire read it out in the church the morning of his funeral. If you read the card, you'd cry. All what he put me through. And he will be changed for next year. And you read that birthday card at his funeral then? Is my best friend, Claire Lawless, read it. And I have that card. I put that card away and I said to Claire, I am putting that card away because I know we need it someday. You just thought the day will come when you will be burying yeah. him. And that card, that, that birthday card was telling him, it was him telling you that he loved you and that he was sorry yeah. and he knew yeah. he puts you through an awful lot and he would make it up to you. Yeah, and he yeah. actually had that written on the end of the card. 
and and I love him, ma'am. I know what I put you through. So he he was still hoping that at some stage yeah, it yeah. would all come right. But oh, yeah, but he tried and he tried. Yeah, he he yeah. did try and he just couldn't. As we said, his addiction was too strong. God love him, you know. <sighs> sure, he was sleeping He was sleeping uh, in the Debenhams doorway, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And you'd, yeah. you'd walk past him and you'd see him. Yeah. The mother walking past us. Yeah, and I often went over and he wouldn't have known me. And would you say, Leon, it's ma'am? I went over one day and I said, Leon, this is your mum. And he said, hey, mum, my mum is out in Lanzarote. That's what he said to me. He actually didn't even know me at all. He was in Lanzarote. I know. Completely Heartbreaking. And like, I taste any other... Must have been awful to have to walk away from him. Like yeah. That. Do you know, if I could save someone else's child by, listen, you know, by this today... Because it's heartbreaking to bury. It's bad enough burying one child from an illness, but burying a child from addiction and to die in the street. We don't know how long he was unresponsible. And I'm just waiting for the inquest now. When he was found, you know, he's killing me. Do you know, and do you know where he did take his last breath? Where was that? It was somewhere in Colbrick Street. But I actually don't know when the poor guard came up to tell me on the Friday night. I just can't remember the guard. I just shut the door and he says, I don't know what I was doing. So I really don't know. Hopefully the inquest will tell that. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. And you know that he saved someone's life only a few he days. Did, yeah. yeah. He what, did, what do you know about that? He did because I, if Kaylee Lawless was telling me that, you know, he saved that boy's life. Somebody had overdosed on tablets or something and he... Yeah. Yeah, God love us, you know. And you say, he was only 31 years old with two children, and you you say that if you could save one life for one mother, but how, like, there's... what You know, if you had your time over, what would you even do differently? You did everything you could. Oh, I know that, Neil, and, like... People be saying to me, you're so strong, you know, you've no regrets. But like I was saying, could I have done a lot more for Leon? You know, being honest, they're on the street. There should be more done for them. There should be like there's 20 buildings locked up. God love them, you know, there's someone's children. It's just, I don't know. You see, the treatment sometimes seems to work. Uh, like, And you could see that he went to Wales and he was clean for two months. But the minute he got off the bus on the quays... He fell back into bad company again, and was and the and the addiction called him, and the craving was too much. Great awakening. That's Great How do you break that cycle? Like, I don't know. Like, I have another son now in Wales, and he's doing very well, Damien. Good for you him. Know? Yeah, good for him. Yeah, and Damien was on the street, and he's away in Wales now, three years this Christmas. And God love us, he just said, "Mom, I'd never come back to put you through it." So Damien actually would know if he came back that he'd go back. Because he, he'd be back in Cork, he'd be back in familiar surroundings around people he knew and God knows he'd be offered more heroin. Yeah, yeah he'd be offered it. Leon, yeah. Leon came back for Leon, or Damien came back, sorry, for Leon fuel and, and they lasted three days. I thought he'd never go back. Maybe. You were worried about him? I was worried sick and he said he came through the town when he got off the bus. And the offers he got, he was with my 
uh, stepdaughter, actually. How did it get so bad? Yeah, yeah. You see, if we could just stop people starting, never mind the stopping, I know that's exactly. important, but if we could just exactly. not get them to start. Exactly, me. You'll never be the same as a family, not having come through tragedies no, you'll like never, that. Yeah, yeah. Like I've seven other kids and I have to get up in the morning and, you know, take every day that comes every morning. I know, I know. No parent should bury a child, not to mind two no. of them. I know. Thank God Damien is flying. That's great news. He's flying. Thank God, you know, he is... God love us and I know it's heartbreaking over there. And what would but you say to parents of young children listening then, having gone through everything you've gone through? You say if you could make one difference, what would you say? What can um, be said? Or is it, is it even? Like make him aware of drugs. You know, what can happen? Like, my daughter's 16 and I'd be just and alone and when you go out and we're not fiancing drink or drugs Neil it's a hard thing to say I find it very hard to trust my children ever again you know that kind of way I know what you mean it's only a, that's only natural for God's sake of yeah. course yeah. yeah yeah. if they could only realise that it's not cool if they could only realise that they're being lied to if they could only realise that um, you know the people that are trying to get them to start or to take the drugs that they're taking exactly um, you know they're not their friends. They don't have their yeah. best interests at heart. And ultimately, it's 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 dealers up in Dublin and Eastern Europe and South America. Yeah. They're the ones getting rich as millionaires and billionaires and yeah. families in Cork are being destroyed. Yeah, and I always said that to Leon, like, God love us. As I said, his addiction was too strong. I know, you know, I know, I know. And I remember God love us when we were going into the mercy on the morning that he, he was passing away. Oh, Kaylee Lawless was with me. She said, Christine, can I buy his coffin? I said, no, Kaylee, I'll buy that myself. Knowing that I still owed money on losses. <sighs> and she bought a job. She went up and bought his coffin. And could I thank Bernard O'Hare for setting up the GoFundMe? Everybody paid into it. People here and far. You know, I'd like to thank everybody. And Colin's funeral home for the welcome that they gave me the second time going back, knowing that I owed them four Oh, right. I know, I know. I stood outside at me with a scarf around my face and I said, Claire, will you go in and ask them, can I come back in? And they opened the doors and opened their arms. What a beautiful thing. Beautiful. And I said, don't worry. I said, I know I owe four grand on Ross's funeral, but thank God me. I have to thank everybody. It's all paid. Now we're just waiting on their headstone to go. They deserve this. Are they buried together, uh, Ross? They're buried together, yeah. And Leon? <sighs> yeah, they are. So poor Ross, like, is Ross's rules now to Leon, you know? We were laughing when he was going down with things. Ross's rules now, Leon? You know? Ross is the boss. <laughs> Ross, yeah. Oh, it's tragic. It's so tragic. I'm sorry if for putting you through it again this morning. It must be very difficult mm-hmm. reliving it. It must be, because you're no, living it every said, day anyway. I said from day one when I buried Leon to Kayleigh, I would love to want to meet Brenda because I listen every morning to you. I yeah, know, but I, I wish you... Uh, you know, need for having me on. Well, you're, a, you're an incredibly brave woman, I have to say, in spite of what you've Thank gone you. through and losing two beautiful sons like that. Yeah. 
Thank you. Let it be a warning. Thank you, Christine. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Neil. Bye. Bye. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Welcome back to the Neil Prenderville Show on this Wednesday morning as we go back through some of the more memorable moments on the Neil Prenderville Show over the past year and the calls that have kept us listening, the calls that have engaged us, the calls that have enraged us, the calls that have made us sad and the calls that have made us happy. And we go back now as we uh, look out the window at the autumn weather. We go back to the depths of winter and to January. And after an adoption storyline in Fair City received mixed reviews, Maureen spoke to Neil about her own life experience in a Magdalen laundry and as a struggling mother on the streets of London. You said when you contacted us first that you had a terrible life. I did have a terrible life. My, I was abused as a child. I'm not supposed to talk about it. Mm. You're supposed to keep it quiet. This is what this country is about. Don't talk about that because it's got to do with your family. Did you have children? I do. I have two children. I have a daughter and a son. And my daughter was born in London in 1972. And I can assure you, I left Ireland with not one penny in my pocket. I was sleeping on the streets. I met her father. I got pregnant. He had a bit of a drink problem. And I said when I had my daughter, as long as I had a pram and something warm to go around her, nobody, nobody was taking my child. But that was the early 1970s in London, foreign country, big city. You had no money. But wait a second, you had a baby, you had a baby in a pram. I lived it. I lived that. You're going around with a child in the pram. You've nowhere to live. But I was going to ask you, where did, where did you then live with your baby? Like, the baby's I, in slept, a- I slept in a park one night. I slept in doorways. But I kept my child. I got up the next morning. I went into Caps and begged for a sip of hot water into to catfish. put it into her bottle. Yeah, I mean, there is ways. Now, I'm not saying that for some women, I don't so you, get me wrong on this. So you push the pram around all day, begging for yes, hot water no. to heat the bottle or to heat milk in cafes, yes. and slept exactly. in park benches with the child in the buggy yes. in the pram next to you? Yes, yes, I did. And I went to the Irish Centre in Camden Town, and I said, look at... I can't keep this up. I said, my health is breaking down. And I and they even said to me, well, you know, we can get your child adopted for you. And I said, no, you won't. Right. How old I were said, you? I'm asking you for, I was 18. 18 years of age after coming out of a magazine laundry with not one penny in my pocket and left homeless because I said, now my book is coming out in the 1st of April. I'd like to read and that. I, yeah, I'm telling my story, and nobody. I'm 70 years of age now, and my story is going to be out there, and I'm going to be happy with that. The people know the truth. I was on Ireland's dirty laundries. Everything has been proven. I'm not telling any lies. Not, to, not disputing one, any part of your story. You're telling it from from the heart. No, no, I know that. You, no, I know that. I'm just, I'm just saying that if you speak out about child abuse in this country, especially when it's family, your character will be just ripped apart and you're so not we, supposed to tell so, your story. So your story will be in the book and, and I'm looking forward yes. to reading that. But you, Yeah, The Girl you, in the Tunnel is the name and of it. When you, so you were sent to a Magdalene Laundry up the country, is it? Yeah, I was sent to a Magdalene Laundry down in New Ross. Okay. 
and I was supposed to go to school. And I do believe, in all fairness, and I always like to get this part through, I do believe that the nun here in Carlo was a very good nun, and I think she meant very well for me when she sent me to New Ross. She was expecting me to go to St. Aidan's and get educated, and I'll tell you how I know. She covered my books, and she gave me some copy little copies that I could write and, and she said Maureen get your education and come back to Carlo and I'll meet up with you and how she old were you? One. I was only 12 ok and the Magdalene what was that like for a 12 year old? horrible it was the most cruelest thing that you could ever do to anybody you're in among these elderly women God loves them not their fault but half of them, I'd say, was very, very confused in life. Maybe some of the poor creators had children and their children was taken off of them. I don't know. But the majority of Magdalene women that I met when we set out on a journey to get justice, a lot of them didn't have children. They were in all their lives, were they? A lot of them would have been in there most of their lives. And there's some of them still in, in, in the nuns is looking after them because they can't cope with the outside world. Yeah, I know. And what did they do all day, day in, day out? What did you do as a child when you oh, got a little older? You walked, you got up out of your bed very, very early in the morning. And you'd done corridors and you'd done a lot of cleaning. Then you went to your mass, then you came out, you had your breakfast, and then you went to work till five o'clock. After five o'clock in the evening, you went into recreation after your tea. You went into recreation while you were making rosary beads, knitting iron sweaters, doing other stuff. The rosary beads was mine. And if there was an order in, you had to get so many rosary beads out in that evening. You weren't paid for any of that work, incidentally. No, we were not paid. We never got paid. You were just and if we did, where's the proof? Bed and board, was it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you feel as a and child that this was... I school. What? Yeah, was... because when, when the men, sometimes the nuns would take me down, that's why my book is called... The girl in the tunnel. When it come to the anyone was coming into the laundry, I was taken away and hidden in the tunnel until them people were gone. Why? Because I was shouldn't have been in the Magdalene laundry. I was only a child. You were too young. I was too young. Sounds like slave labour to me, unpaid slave labour. Did you feel of as course. if you were serving some kind of a sentence? Yes, I did. I was paying the, the sins of the father. I paid the price. And what, how, how old were you when you came out of the Magdalene? I was 16. I was trafficked from three different places. And I was 16. And I was given five euros above in Dublin, or five pounds, sorry, five pounds to go to Carlo. No home. I had no home to go to. I was never allowed back into the home again. Don't forget, I told on my stepfather. Yeah. So I wasn't welcome there anymore. So I was left homeless. I worked in Carlow for a little while and then I headed off to England. Okay. And you and met... I stayed in England for 30 years. 30 years. So that brings us back to London um, and the Irish Centre trying to help you because you were sleeping on park benches and pushing the child around yes. in a pram and begging in cafes day yes. in, day out. For how long? And I, to be quite honest, it went on for quite some time, I'd say months, but... Uh, at the exact time, I wouldn't remember now. But well, you, you must have been unsafe on the streets at night. I mean, you must have been of harassed. Of course at I night. was. Of course. My brother, I got in touch with my brother. I found him and he had a van. And what we were able to do was take the part of the pram off 
and push it into the back of the van and I'd sleep in the back of the van with the child. I'd done that for a while as well. I'd done everything to survive. And where was the dad? Where was the dad of your child? Well, unfortunately, he had a drink problem and wasn't too interested. His poor mind, he came from Northern Ireland, came from very troubled background and he had a drink problem. I'll just leave it at that. And what did you do for money? What did you do for money? Was there a welfare payment or anything? I didn't know nothing about it, you see. I did not know anything like that. It was the Irish Centre that said to me, you know, you can get help. And I kept looking at him and I said, well, do you know who could help me? And she said, yes. She says, we'll get you in on the social welfare, she said. And I said, what's that? And she explained to me, she says, we'll get you some help, she says, to rear your daughter and you'll have to stay in a short stay accommodation. Did things improve then when you got accommodation? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it was horrible, horrible place to stay. It was very rough terrible things when I didn't know nothing about drugs or anything and a lot of them was on drugs so it was really scary place to stay but look at I was in a room I was in a bed I was warm I got on the council list and I next minute I got a council flat Was there any times in those early years or early days that you felt that you couldn't hold on to your daughter? No I would never give up no Did anybody try and take her? Did social services say that in the old days, you'd yes. have been called an unfit mother. Do you remember that term? Uh, of course. Yeah, well, there were no, I would have been strong enough. No way was anyone taking my child. No way was that going to happen. But look, I didn't ring you up to talk Does about she myself. Know, ring I know, I'm, that's just, I know, it's that's just the way the conversation goes. But just finally, yeah. d- d- did you tell your daughter the story of her early life? Oh, I did. I did. I told her. Yeah, she knows. I don't want anyone else coming back with anything. I tell my children the truth. They and how did she me. respond to the story and the struggles of your of your early life with her? Well, look, at what, what do you do? You have to get up and you have to get on with life. You have to do the but best But she must be can. immensely proud of you. They are, yes. Both of my children are very proud of me and thank God for that. Okay. Okay. And but what, what I really rang up was about okay. someone passed remarks on your radio that adoption was a lot worse than a child dying, and I'm speaking on Anne O'Gorman's behalf. A lovely, dignified, beautiful woman. She's so lovely. Yeah, I'll I've talk to her later. Yeah, yeah, I'll talk to her later. Yeah, she's a gorgeous woman, and her all of that woman wants, she said, and she told me one day, Maureen, I want nothing. All as I want, she said, is a little mark from my daughter's grave. That woman never knew what her child was like, what it looked like, what it was going to. Should I often think back how well would she have done in but, life if she had a chance? Okay, but you, you did, know, but you, but you did say that mothers come back in later life looking to cash in after their child's been reared. That's kind of yes, a hurtful thing yes. to say. No, I don't think it's a hurtful thing to say. I think it's very, very true. And I've been talking to a lot of people that have been adopted and they've said the very same thing. They said, I don't want to know them. They're only coming back in to cash in on what their decision was. Now, I'm not saying all mothers. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying them all. That does not go down for them all. 
There is genuine mothers there that had no other choice that was very, very young and did not know and had no other choice or no help from nobody. You see, it's it's an amazing story. If the vulnerable and those that need help the most get a roof over their head and somewhere to live, their life can change dramatically. Give someone somewhere to live. Yeah, absolutely. Just just give them that little help, little bit of help. Fascinating story. And their lives can change so much. Fascinating story. Okay, Maureen, I'm looking forward to the book, The Girl in the Tunnel. You're saying it's out in April. Thank you, yes. Okay, I'm looking forward. It's out the 1st of April. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Cheers, take care, take care. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. Welcome back to the Neil Prenderville Show Wednesday morning. This is Mick Mulcahy and we are giving you the most memorable moments from the Neil Prenderville Show over the past year. Now, this particular story has a heritage and history that is quite sad and quite tragic, but it's one of the most uplifting interviews Neil did over the course of the past year. After suffering 23 miscarriages, Georgina told Neil back in May of this year about the joy of giving birth to her miracle baby, Riley, and the advice she'd give to other women and families who've gone through what she has. Georgina, we've spoken in the past and it's great to update with her again. Georgina, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Now, can you hear me okay? I can indeed. Okay, you're not on speaker or anything, are you? Sorry, I was. Okay, just took off the speaker because it's not the same quality. Um, lovely to catch up again. And there's great news, isn't it? There's always hope. You should never give up. What, 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 what was the number of miscarriages? Um, in total, 23. 23. And six days ago, you gave birth to a healthy baby girl. I did. Yeah. I did. Oh, my God. It really is don't give up hope, isn't it? She's uh, definitely, I mean, she's a little miracle. We, she, was, she was given to us unexpectedly. We weren't, we weren't planning or we weren't, we just weren't even hopeful, I suppose. But, um, yeah, randomly, we just done a test and it was positive and... It kind of took off from there, but um, after speaking to you the last time on the show, we had an atopic pregnancy, so they actually removed one of my tubes, and they told me that the other tube was so badly scarred that the chances of me even carrying a pregnancy again were were very slim. Isn't that It would amazing? end up in another atopic. So I suppose we gave up hope. We gave up, we, we just kind of start moving on with life and yeah. trying to deal with not being able to have any more kids after going through so much. And then we found out we were pregnant and there was a whirlwind of emotions, not knowing what to expect, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, we found out and we got in contact with Professor O'Donoghue, uh, the doctor who has been with us through our whole journey. So she had then booked us in for every second week they kept a very, very close eye. Very on. close eye. When we spoke to you, I think it was probably about, was it as far back as 2018? Yeah, it was about four years, four or five years four ago. Four or five yeah. years ago. Because I remember that your son, Leon, was born many years ago, right? And then, well, it, was it at least 10 years ago, was it? He's 19 in June. Okay, so 19 years ago. I'm just trying to remember the, the numbers. And then after that, it was literally miscarriage after miscarriage, 23 in total. 23 in total, yeah. And yeah. every one of them as heartbreaking as the one before, or maybe worse. They they got, 
in one sense, it, it kind of became the normal. So it was always expected. If we fell pregnant, it was it was expected almost. So you'd build up a barrier against yourself just to protect your own your own mental health. Um, so every time I fell pregnant and I seen that test, it was I, I suppose I felt sorrow and not joy. It was okay. I know where this is going. Um, the last pregnancy before baby Riley that that ended in an atopic yeah. was actually the only pregnancy we had hope for because yeah. everything was going as it should have went. But then it ended in disaster, I suppose. Can I have um, a listen? Can I have a listen? Yeah, I know that was that, that was tragic. And you were thinking that this one with Riley would, would end up the very same, you know, it'd be a 24th miscarriage. But can I just play a clip of uh, of our chat, uh, which would be back, as you say, in and around uh, early 2018. And you had had 18 miscarriages at this stage. Just hold on. When you fall pregnant, it's a happy moment for every person until until it happens. And then that's when you deal with a miscarriage. But for me... When I fall pregnant, it's tears of fear. It's just pressure. It's an anxiety. It's, I know what's coming and there's nothing I can do to stop it. And I don't think, no matter how much you try to think, it's not going to happen. And do you think that that fear and that anxiety could result in the miscarriage, do you think? I think it could play, definitely can play a factor in, in miscarrying. But for me personally, I think it's more down to my blood group. Your blood group, yeah. yeah. And then you see others then who can knock babies out of the park, like no bother at all. How do you feel about that? Envy? I don't I don't envy anybody that I wouldn't be I wouldn't envy anybody that fell pregnant and had a child or I don't think that no one deserves to have kids. I know other people's opinions would be different. But for me, um, the way I would think mentally is what's meant to be won't pass you by. So I'd never begrudge anybody of having a child. Like, you're given that, I think. There's a reason you're giving it. And there's a reason I was given this cross to bear. And the way I look at it is I'm still standing. I'm, I can still get on with life. Do people ever say to you things like, ah, oh, sure, it happens. Like, it'll, yeah, you'll get pregnant. You know, it'll happen. It's one of these things. Don't worry about it. Get over it. We've had we've had a lot of comments from different areas. Why are we bothering? Um, we've won already. That should be more than enough. You should be happy with that. There's there's several comments that are passed, and I think it's all wrong. You you know it. Them comments probably hurt more than going through the physical miscarriage. That was you in 2018. It's a very interesting point you made there. What's meant for you won't pass you by. Remember that. And I, I always believed in it, always. I still stand by it. <laughs> so when things were going right, that's the first quote I used, was, look, it's meant to be. What's meant for you won't pass you by. And what, what, like, was there a lot of worry or anxiety during the pregnancy then, before Riley was born? I think, so when we found out we were pregnant, it was, we went for a scan, and our first scan, we were able to see her which is something we never got to see. So it was kind of, there was a little glimmer of hope, I suppose. Um, and then the next scan, we were able to see our heartbeat. You know, so every scan we went to, it was progressing to things that we had never witnessed before. Yeah. Um, and even though we were seeing progression, I think for myself, I built up a barrier 
just I, I always had it there in the back of my head. It's going to be taken away from me. Yeah. So I kind of had a de- detachment until about twenty three weeks. Until I knew she it was a viable pregnancy. Then you started then, to get confident, is it? Yeah. So from twenty three weeks, it was then I started to accept that I was pregnant. And tell us a little she, bit about about how Ken was feeling. Your partner, how was he feeling at the all along? He he had just as much nerves as I had. Um, our son, actually, believe it or not, was the most positive Leon. from the beginning. Yeah, Leon kept us going. He was like, "This is it, ma'am. It's okay. You know, we're we're we've got there." Um, his dad and I were we were up and down. Um, oh, afraid to accept, I suppose. But my fear didn't kick in until thirty weeks. When I hit thirty weeks pregnant, it was then that the severe fear hit me because we were so close but so far so when you think oh I'm in touching distance now something's going to happen is it yeah yeah so from 30 weeks it was it was mentally tough just that I was so as you said I was so close but so far Um, and now she the weeks just kind of flew in and flew by and was the was the birth and the delivery then and seeing her very emotional extremely Extremely. Um, I remember looking up at Ken when she was born. She was born very quick. Labour was 45 minutes, so she made her entrance into the world. Yeah, she was in a hurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember I looked up at Ken after I gave birth, and his face was just soaked with tears. So he was watching the whole birth. So he was actually crying before she was even out. Oh, but, Georgina, um, it's so gr- Sorry. And was Leon? Was Leon the same? Oh my God, he's ecstatic, ecstatic. He always wanted to have another sibling and to wait, I suppose, 19 years. But the staff in the CUH actually brought Leon into the labour room after she was born and got allowed him to meet her. So it was it was quite a special moment with all four of us there at one time, but he's floating on cloud nine. That's a fabulous story. It's great to to recap on stories like yours that have a great, happy, positive ending. And six days ago, um, she burst into the world, uh, little baby Riley. Um, what what words of advice would you give to people who just have miscarriage after miscarriage and and feel like it's never going to happen for them? There's never give up. There's always a reason, you know, and. My doctor, Dr. Kilner O'Donoghue, Professor Kilner O'Donoghue, she had always told me that it was only something small. We just have to find it. We just have to figure out what the something small was. So doctors in general, you know, even if they tell you the chances have slimmed or your chances of non-existent, miracles do happen. Yeah, yeah. And, you yeah. know, things, things have a funny way of life. Yeah. Has a funny way of adjusting and throwing little... Things in the way as you go, I suppose. Um, but I would never give up hope. Never give up hope. I couldn't do it without the care of Professor O'Donoghue's team. You know, they they were fantastic. Well, you found they a way. Them. Your body found a way. Do you do you call Riley your miracle baby? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. definitely. And right. Riley Riley has um, an ace on the way, so Leon's expecting as well. Oh, lovely. So. Leon's, <laughs> Leon and his partner. Isn't it going to be a wonderful, wonderful summer? Well done. I'm delighted. Listen, Thank thanks you. for thanks for allowing us to catch up and thanks for sharing that fabulous news all these years later. 
23 miscarriages later and along she comes, the miracle baby. Great to chat to you, Georgina. Regards you to too. all of the family, all right? Thank you so much. Take care, take care. Bye. Hope people find that inspiring, uh, particularly if, for instance, you are yourself going through the struggles of trying to uh, not not necessarily conceive, uh, but to uh, carry a baby to term. Um, unfortunately, we don't talk enough about miscarriages and stories like that should be an inspiration and uh, maybe a bit of positivity for people who themselves feel that it will never happen for them. Welcome back to the final hour of the Neil Prendeville Show on this Wednesday, September 13th. And this is kind of part one of a two-part. You'll have to stay listening to the end to get the real value from this. But Eileen got in touch with the Neil Prendeville Show last summer in the hopes of finding a friend of her late husband's. Take a listen to her chat with Neil as she searches for Eugene O'Driscoll after all these years. Eileen, good morning. Hello, Neil. Who are we looking for? We're looking for a Jean. Well, he, like I say, Eugene, but he was always known as Jean yeah. O'Driscoll. Right. Why are we looking like, for him? where he came from. Yeah, yeah. He, he grew up in railway cottages in Anglesey Street. All right, railway cottages in Anglesey Street. Yeah, okay. it's down by the the guard station past the guard. Well, Skiddy's home there. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. And what's the backstory to Eugene O'Driscoll? Who um, did you grow up together he, or something? They grew up together. You see, my husband lived in the tenements in South Terrace, and they they met in school. The tenements where on South Terrace? Um, by the the Lee Press. Tenements. When you say tenements, yeah. what do you mean by tenements? There would be big, high, high, um, nearly three, four, five-story houses there in South Terrace. As you're driving up which side of the road? Um, it, well, I mean, it's one way, isn't the South Terrace? Yeah. Well, if you're coming up the South Terrace, it's on the, they're on the right. The big red buildings. The big, big, tall buildings. Right. Yes. Were they, they tenements were, back they in the tenements. day? There was they lots were. of families they in were. there, were they? Yeah. My yeah. husband lived in one of those for years until he was 16, and then they moved out to Belbian. Right. But yeah. the thing is, he was actually with my husband the night I met him in the Arcadia, and that was in 1961. Down and the Ark. Yeah, down the Ark. <laughs> But um, he, um, you know, we were in contact then for a good, but you know, back then there was no phone. No, there wasn't. No. So the only time we could get contact is like when we'd meet and we'd contact, we'd meet again sometime. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. since when Jean's parents died, that we kind of lost contact after we got married, both of us. But then my husband died, God rest him, uh, in 2004. Yeah. But I know. Gene was around then because he was at the Mass. I wasn't talking to him, but one of my family told me he was at the Mass. And then sometime after he died, I was going to town one day, and I actually bumped into him. Many years uh, later, well after 2004. No, 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 not not very long after. I'd say maybe six months after. Right. And um, we still had no uh, corresponding... Um, phone calls between each other. Yeah. So he was married to a lovely girl called Mary. No, she, no, gee, no, like at the moment, no. God, I hope he's still around. He would be in his 80s. 
And why are you mad keen to get in touch with them all these I, years later? I do. No, you see, I've always wanted to. But I think when COVID came in, you know how you go back in your in time thinking about yeah. it. And I always wondered, um, the, the only address I had for him was in Glowntown. I didn't have a name of a house or anything. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's all I knew. Yeah. Okay, you just want to hook up with him again, see how he is, have a chat and a cup of tea. That's all I want to know, if he's still there, or uh, maybe if if there's anyone listening, his family, I know he had a couple of boys. Yeah, that's a perfectly normal way to feel, actually, and without hogging your story, I have a pal that I haven't seen in years, and I have two different numbers from him in my phone. He's down in, living in Kinsale and stuff, I haven't seen him in years. But over, in COVID, we did those kind of things, we thought about, you know things that we yeah, valued and the did. people that we get no, on with. I hadn't seen him in years and I've been trying to track him down He's not, and the phone numbers yeah. have been changed and all those kind of things, you know? Yeah. I'm 82 now and I would love to know if he's still around all right. or if he's gone one way or the other. Okay, okay, okay. Eugene O'Driscoll, Driscoll, known yeah. to his pals as Gino Driscoll, would be in his 80s. He was born and, and reared... And was Michael, Michael yeah. Murphy, known as Tacker. His nickname. <laughs> Why was he known as Tacker? Was he a shoe? Was he a shoe? Because when was they were playing cowboys, no cowboys, and they was playing at attack. <laughs> Does that stick with him? Yeah. It is. It is. <laughs> I have a buddy. I have a buddy, and his nickname is Curly, and he's as bald as a coot. But eventually, he had curly <laughs> hair as a kid. <laughs> he never liked his name. He said, "Michael." Says, "I sure I can't call you Tacker." <laughs> 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 All right, look, I don't have much time now, but Eugene O'Driscoll, known as Gene, was born and reared in railway cottages, and you're it's mad keen yeah. to reconnect with him. And oh, you're, yeah. and you're oh, Eileen, what's your surname? Murphy. Eileen Murphy, and it should ring yeah. a bell with somebody in that area. Who should. knows? It should, right. yeah, definitely. I hope it does. No Let's see, all right? Let's see, Eileen. All right, Take care. Very much okay. For okay, Thank all you. the best. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show on this Wednesday morning. This is Mick Mulcahy. Now, we're bringing you the very best of the Neil Prenderville Show over the last 12 months or so. Uh, and we will return to uh, another story later this hour. If you've been listening, you know what I mean. But here is an absolute cracker. As we enjoyed a beautiful summer in 2022, Neil had a chat with Alfred at Tony Bell's Ice Cream Van to see if he could pull Ireland's tallest 99. But it was one of Alfred's customers who stole the show and took all the limelight. Have a listen. Just staying with the topic of 99s. And all this started on Friday when a shop above in County Meath claimed the prize uh, for the biggest, tallest. What was it called again? I can't remember the name of the thing. Was it Super Duper something or other? And there were the big boy, I think it was called. Well done, Kevin, the big boy. It's a foot tall. And I was saying, I've seen, I've seen ice creams taller than a foot on Lee side year in, year out. I think the difference is with the big boy is they actually sell it in the in the actual shop itself and they're selling about four or five hundred of them a day so I'm encouraging people to try and beat the big boy by going taller than a foot and then it was sent a wonderful I think it's a video but I've got a screenshot of it from I think it's Tony Bell Isis Um, ah yeah here's the video of it being made now around and around and around it goes there's no foundation or struts down the middle of this one, but yet it does not move. It does not fall. It stays proudly on top of the cone. Let me find out how tall it actually is. Alfred, good morning. Morning, Neil. Did you pull that beauty? 
I did. All I did right. Okay. How many swirls are on it? How many times did you turn it on the cone? I think about 14 or 15 and a half. Go away. And, yeah. and uh, how tall is it? I think about 15, 16 inches. Did you sell it? No, that, my young woman wanted to one TikTok and uh, look, I just said I have a go, you know. <laughs> so so she, she brought my hat. <laughs> oh, is that, was that your first attempt or did you have a few disasters? No, that was my first one. Um, but I just done another one while ago for a lad here in the Dock Beach, Kingsell. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> he didn't want that. He wouldn't either, he said. <laughs> did, you, did you sell him a 15-incher? No, no, no. You, got, you just gave it to him? Yeah, but he wouldn't take it. <laughs> what if you sold them a foot high? Would you? Would they buy them? No, no. Too big for anybody, I think. Would you think it'd be you too know? much? Yeah, way too much. Wouldn't be too much um, for me. <laughs> but, what? Um, so what did you do with the 15-incher after you pulled it? I turned it in the bucket. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah, I wouldn't put it back in, no. Okay, you know. okay. So is it busy down in the dock? It's busy, yeah. Customer at the window here now. Oh, really? Am I interrupting? She might say hello. Will you say hello, Dean? Will you say hello, Dean? Neil Pendeville. Neil Pendeville. Will you give her a free ice cream? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Who's that? I don't know, but you're not Neil Pendeville anyway. Oh, say. well, I thought I was last time I checked. Listen, you, you need to get Alfred to give you a free ice cream because you're live on radio now, all right? So under no oh my God, okay, okay. How many are you? How many are you buying for? Uh, I can actually hear your voice now. I do. I know it is the friend. Of... <laughs> I'm mortified now. I'll mortified. Be <laughs> would you be able to? Would you be able to take a 15 incher? Would I be able to what? A 15. Oh a yes, 15. I remember. That's what I saw. That on it. Yes. If I got um... it. He's making one for me now. You should just see the size. Would, <laughs> would you be able to consume that 15 inches of ice cream, do you think? I wouldn't think so, Neil. No, I definitely wouldn't think so. Are you oh on your own? Uh, you say, yes, he's making it. You wouldn't. Oh, my God. Oh, oh Jesus, I wouldn't be able to hold that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I... Oh. There's double meaning in everything we're saying here, lads, and that's just my stupid mind. Have you have your kids with you that you could share the 15 incher with? Yeah, I, I will. I share that. I'll actually share that now. Oh, look, if you if you could take a picture of that now, he's going to take the phone. Alfred, oh, take a photograph of that and send it to me. <laughs> are you down on your halls? Or are you local? She's gone. The shock. She gone, Alfred. <laughs> Neil. Is she gone? Did she collapse? She's gone. She's gone. I had to put another cone in top to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> the number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. It's the Neil Prendeville Show on this Wednesday morning with Mick Mulcahy and going back over the memorable moments of the year on this iconic Cork radio program. We will be back to Eileen. If you've been listening, we will be back to Eileen before the end of the hour. But last year, Robert spoke to Neil about a situation he found himself in that we'd all hope to avoid. So you find yourself in Bandon, is it? That's right. That's okay. right yeah, and yeah, you're, yeah, you yeah. were cut short, I believe. No, no, I actually had an appointment, Neil. I had an appointment to see somebody, so I came off a building site and I said to him, I said, Jesus, I have to change my clothes, you're like, I'm green, all dirt and muck and... Why not? People, people are going in in pyjamas and uh, no bother no, no, and well, slippers well, and... We, 
<laughs> well, well, I had to change, and I will say, and then I did a little plastic bag and under my arm. So I said, where are I going out? Oh, Jesus, what do we handle all the monster arms hotel? Handy out. Go into the toilet and change inside there. <laughs> so I'm in the door, and I, and I see the look, look past the reception. I see the door open, the toilets. I see toilets, I see toilets. I said, straight in there, I went. You know, the way you go to the hotel now, and, you know, you, you kind of don't want to stay too long, like in case they're looking and seeing what's this flow. So I just tore into the toilet and, uh, and opened the cubicle and started, started undressing and changing. Next thing uh, I hear voices outside, outside the door, and I hear a load of women. Jesus, what, what's wrong here? So what was happening? I heard it was, was fifty. I heard it was fifteen women came in. Yeah, they were after coming off a minibus. Neil, they were on tour and they were coming in for lunch, in for a calvary, and it walked out and I was inside in the ladies' toilets. <laughs> I never. I'm like, I just, I just went in the door, saw the queue because got straight in, never even done. I mean, look at the door. And see if there's a man or a woman's emblem yeah. up on the door. <laughs> That was grand, and uh, they were coming in the next thing. There was only three cubicles, right? Of course, I was inside in one, like. <laughs> next thing, uh, they were knocking the door, and just, and, God, yeah, I'm bursting, I'm bursting, I have to go. Are you finished yet? You can't even knock, bang in the door. Next thing, one said, Jeez, I don't know. She said, That poor woman mustn't be too well. She's inside her a long time. <laughs> so, they sat down, their hands and knees, look, are you all right in there? And I was standing up on top of the toilet, Neil, because I was afraid of my life. I was going to get seen, you know. So you I stood on the to... toilet, so because they look uh, under and they can't see yeah, your feet. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. There's nobody in there. No, no, there's somebody in there. The door is locked. There's somebody in there. And Jesus, Neil, I was in the horror. Why, did, you, why no. didn't you just try and pretend you're a woman and say, no, Oh, I'll, I'll be out soon. I'm not feeling too well. <laughs> but if you were there, the fear of God was on me, Neil, I tell you. I was scared. I was scared. I was going to get thrown out. I was going to get arrested. You'll be arrested. You'll be arrested. How would you be able to yes, prove yes. that you weren't in there peeping over the cubicle? Exactly. Nobber. Nobber. <laughs> so I was in there, and then I suddenly see in there for silence, Neil, and eventually in there, the silence came up. I say a good 10 minutes now. 20 minutes, I'd say. I heard it was longer than that. Well, I don't know. It was long on here because there was a good few women came in now, and the stories are talking about this and that. And I didn't want to be listening to anything, Neil. I was stuck amongst the middle of it. I tell you, I was in total horror. So, how did you work out that it was safe to come out? I I just waited for silence, Neil. And I was saying, and I looked out the door, and I was peeping around. I said, Jesus, what am I going to do here now? I had a plan, and like I said, I was going to get out now, out the door, and just walk straight and look at nobody. <laughs> and then they were, eventually, and I, I did that. I opened the door, no one around. Next thing, and I out the door like a bullet, and walked straight across the reception and straight out. And it looked right and left, back or forward, <laughs> looked straight out the door and gone. <laughs> I tell you. I got some fright by it. Uh, you're, Robert Rowe, who your sto- your life is full of stories, you know that. <laughs> well, that's a true story, Neil. I tell you, like, it's a lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, check the door before you push it in in future. Exactly. All right. The Neil Brendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Welcome back to the midweek edition of the Neil Brendeville Show, and uh, we now need to go back to part two uh, of uh, Eileen's search for Jean. Now, Eugene O'Driscoll, known as Jean, grew up with Eileen's late husband, Michael. She'd been looking for him for a while, but could we find him? We'll take up the story. 
Okay, so many people listening that it's always great when we're able to help and solve things, particularly when someone is looking to reconnect. Eileen Murphy was on the air earlier this morning uh, looking for a friend of her late husband, Michael Tacker, who died in 2004. And the friend that she was looking to hook up with and reconnect with was... uh, her husband's best friend for many, many years, Jean O'Driscoll. And I'm happy to say and to tell Eileen, Eileen. Hello, Neil. We have I'm found. We we found Jean O'Driscoll. <laughs> you found yeah. him. He's on the phone here yeah. with me, so you can say good morning to him. Oh my God, Jean. Uh, hi, hi, yeah, hi, oh my hi, God, yeah. I've been, I've been looking for you. I was already years. thinking about about him this morning. Well, yeah. Yes, this is oh true. I'm God. sitting down there now. I was very oh. thinking about it this part. <laughs> yeah. How are you so, keeping, Jean? Uh, I'm, I'm very, very good. Oh, I, see, I know uh, how I'm old a, you are, like. I'm 83 now, but you're not going to believe this. Let what? me tell you something. I'm caring for Mary. Mary? For a long she is. Right. We'll be married 56 years next week. 56 yeah, years. We're together over 60 years. Well, we would have been 58 this Christmas. No, we got married before you. That's right, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, Michael, but we were great friends. I know. Sure, you, you were with yeah. him tonight. I met him. That's right, that's yeah. right, down the arcade, yeah. <laughs> that's right, I remember it. Oh we were only, God, we were only so, young children. I'm then. so happy <laughs> to hear your voice, even. Listen, yeah. any, any chance that we could meet? Of course, yeah, I can come you. up here. No, I have, I look after Mary. Yes. I'm looking after, she fell in 2014 and broke her hip. Oh, and she? then things started deteriorating. Right. And uh, things turned out like that. There was other yeah. problems. Yeah, I can't yeah. try to say it there just at the moment. Yeah. But like, uh, it, it was kind of Alzheimer's. Yeah. So oh, I care yeah, for... Yeah, I care oh, for Mary now. Lovely yeah. Do, yeah. yeah. Oh my And tell God. me w- without wanting to sorry. Yeah, without wanting to interrupt your lovely chinwag and get yeah. together. You you <laughs> you grew up not far from Tacker Jean, didn't you? Just correct me if I'm we wrong here now. You were railway cottages in Anglesey Street. And he was in he was in the South Terrace. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was next to Langford. Remember Langford? Yeah. yeah. There was the big red yeah. the big red buildings that we know of would have been tenements back in the day, Eileen was telling me. Many yeah, families Living yeah. in them, yes, yeah. yes. And did you well, hang up? Did you did you knock about together? Was it? Oh, we did, yes, on motorbikes <laughs> and everything. You know, she had a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go all over the place on the motorbike. And when you went down to the Ark, who who'd be playing in the Ark at the nineteen sixty sixty one? In the sixties, uh, you could have anyone yeah, there. Yeah, like, you could uh, have anyone there. Uh, the, the, the top men, like well, at the start, of it, the Jimmy Shen was one of the first fellows. Yeah, like, Mick Delahunty. Mick Delahunty, and well, he was a bit before me. Like, yeah, okay. I'm only eighty three now. <laughs> but all the show bands would have come along, wouldn't they? Oh yeah, Miami and uh, all that, and the Dixies, uh, the, Dixies, the Royal, 
Yeah. Joe yeah, lived next yeah. to me as well, you know. Joe Mack. Joe Mack was 87 Joe last Mac, week. Right. He lived How old is he? Oh, feck, I think he was 87. He'll kill me now if I get it. Nah, he's not. He's not. He's <laughs> not that at all. Last Sunday he, he was I'd say he's about 85. Was that? <laughs> no, he's 87, Gene. Yes, he. We were in the he scouts was. together, Joe and myself. Yeah. He was 87 because right. Bernard McCarthy was that's on to he. me to wish Joe Mack yeah, a happy 87 yeah, last yeah. Sunday. You wished him happy I didn't think I was that young. I didn't <laughs> think I was that young. <laughs> I thought you were older. older. Railway Cottages yeah, and Anglesey yeah, Street. Yeah, would, would, the tra- would the trains going west along have been... Oh, yes. They used to drive up the back of the house and the front yeah. of the... Yeah. You know, yeah, that's right. And Actually, we had a boy. Should I meet your mum and dad? That's right, yeah, should they have been for years, yeah. Poor Brenda. Brenda, Brenda. And, and she was married to uh, the yeah, my, one in the Miami show then, that was in the morning. And yeah. tell me, Jean, why, tell me, Jean, why did you call Eileen's husband Tacker? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, we were in school together. And you everyone were, had nicknames, didn't they? Did you have you one? Gene uh, Artery do the kind me. Of course I remember. He was a cowboy. He was a cowboy actor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's oh, right. He used to play yeah. cowboys and Indians a lot, I'm told, was it? That's real. That's right, that's right. No. And we, do you know what we had when we got yeah. something? A wheel of a bike and a stick. Yeah. Yes, and we'd be running, running along the road with a wheel yes. and a, a bit of stick hitting the wheel. We had no bikes that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I tell oh you, that's a good old times. And we played golf as well. Go you know yeah. the way we used to play with a holly, <laughs> pretend a holly and a. I got guys by and oh hitting them into God. the water holes. You lift up the hole and try and hit it in. <laughs> so I, that's the only time I ever played golf is with a holly. Oh my God. You, yeah. you two have a lot to talk about and catch up we on. Have, yeah. 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 Well, listen, you yeah. have my number now. Yeah. I tell you the truth. I, what, love? I, we don't even have a television or a radio. Would you believe that? Why is that? You don't. don't because it, it affected my wife. Oh, it, she, she. I see. You see, she has to... Yeah. She got yeah. a You're very kind to her, in fairness to you, Jean. You're committed and dote on your wife, and that's lovely. Well I done. am. Well done. Like, Jean, I'm are, you now, in, are you still going in Glowton? Uh, no, I got over that. I got over that. I'm not sure whether you had moved or not. Uh, I did. I got over there, yes. And we, we went back to the cottages then for a while. But then really got a bit bad. And I, I moved in for a while now. But, yeah. But, but you had, but you, I mean, you reared a family and everything, in fairness to you. What did you oh, work Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I was a confectioner by trade. Where are you? No, and I also. Neil, do you remember Father Rocks? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I, I actually started that for Father Rock. Get away. Yeah. With a small cooker, and we ended up <laughs> supplying <laughs> Apple Computer, Lovertron, St. Hospital, 
We did yeah. shop in the market, a shop on the front. It was a multi-thing yeah. national. Like, there was yeah. more yeah. We, were, yeah. Yeah. we were bringing in money. I actually met, I was telling her in India, I met Terry Wogan down there. Yeah. He was making a program from yeah. the BBC, but it never got finished. Whatever happened, I don't know. But my son actually introduced me to him. He said, this is Terry Morgan here. I said, I'm really pleased to meet you, Mr. Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great thing there, too. Like. How long ago I, was I, that? How long ago, how, how long ago was that when you... Terry Morgan? I think to be 1994. I, I came out of it in 1997. And were you making cakes, was it? And selling oh, them? yeah. yeah so how At five you? o'clock in the morning, yeah. Away. Yeah, That's right. the Harringtons. Yeah. What kind of cakes well, did you make? What kind? Were they all well, the cork ones? Uh, we had the biggest sale of stones, I'd say, <laughs> in the whole of Ireland. <laughs> I used to do... There was only three of us there. And we used to yeah. do three... To- no, no. Two thousand scones a morning. <laughs> so the bread, cakes, inside the smallest bakery in Ireland. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, can I ask you a question, Gene? Can you can you make can you make Chester cake? Sure, I can make anything. You I've can. made here. I was eighty eighty years of age when the, uh, one of my last sons got married, and I made a five-tier wedding cake. Oh, <laughs> easy! All five tails, yeah. Oh, really, yeah. Oh. Did you ice it and everything? Oh, well, you decorated, yeah. <laughs> I used to do, I actually worked in, I worked in every bakery in Cork. Get away. I could, yes. I, could I worked in Armory, the Helens, Harrington's, and the main one, of course. I worked in Thompson's, where Thompson, my father worked, and my grandfather worked. Ah, for God's yeah. sake. That's yeah. incredible. Yes. That's incredible. I worked here, oh but God. only, I could never... I did, I never got a full time job, but I was there for a good few years oh, as that's well. Amazing. With yeah, Keith, yeah, and I yeah. said I, I met Keith Thompson once or twice. I was speaking to him as well, and yeah. uh, you know he was just nice. Somebody man. said that Michael Harrington was buried last Friday. Would you have known Michael Harrington? My, oh God, rest him! I didn't even know Keith. I I I, I didn't even yeah. know that like, he, he was a great. He was a great friend of mine, Michael. Yeah, yeah. We were exactly the same age. I worked for him and his brother in Chuck Street. So did by Shandon. Did you grow up I with so you say you grew up with Joe Mack, did you? I grew up with Joe Mack. We were yeah. in the schools together. Because if you ring him and ask him Joe, Joe Mack is, is still playing every Sunday inside in Canties. Why didn't you go in there yeah. for a quart? I I I can't even get out for ten minutes. I'm a, a full-time mm, yeah. carer, 168 hours a week, every 365 days in the year, and I'm doing it on my own. Yeah. I've never got yeah. any assistance from no anyone. No I have no help whatsoever when no. my son gets the messages. I do yeah. everything. And you know what has to be done when the person... Yeah, I don't have to go. She was a beautiful. No, 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 Yes. I fell down the stairs in February of my son's house. 
Yeah. I fell down the stairs right off of a chair. I was trying to clean the stairs. Oh, my God. The cobwebs and fell down the flight of stairs. I broke my collarbone. Oh, for God's sake. I broke on my right side. I broke two ribs on my left side. Oh, man. I broke two ribs and... I had all the complaints about my neck and my back and everything. Oh, my God. But I still looked after my wife. <laughs> oh, that time. I Even then, I couldn't even lift myself over in the bed. Mary was trying to lift me over in the bed at times. Yeah. But I never. But I tell you something. This one yeah. man will do something for me. Yeah. Because, you know, I hate them from the city. But those young fellas and those young girls inside, when yeah. I stopped in that place with Father Rock, yeah. inside yeah, with, yeah, with yeah, the bakery yeah. and, the, and the restaurant as well, yeah. it was one of the busiest places in... Yeah. But, you need, so but, you, but you need extra help, don't you? Really? Intrigued. I do, but I don't know how. I, I told you, need. I don't have a television... I don't. But what, if, I just, if, if I was to send Paddy O'Brien around to you, you must know Paddy. I mean, he'd help and inter- yeah. inter- he'd do intervene on your behalf. Yeah, well, like, you see, there's so many things to do, and now you haven't got the time. I know, but let's help you, you with know. that. We can help you with that. Yeah. 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 All right. Let me, let me get on to Paddy. No, listen, no, my, my family are very good. We're not disputing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I have five we, children. Yeah. No, each and every one of them they bring every day. But they know yeah, the kind yeah. of. I didn't tell them what was wrong with my wife for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. Right. And actually, one of my sons wrote to the doctor, and the doctor sent me over there to come in and see me. I haven't seen you for a few years. Yeah. So I went in, and I, he examined me. I said. Doctor, you don't have to tell me. I know what's wrong. Yeah. And they brought up crying. Yeah. 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 Parkinson's yeah. and Alzheimer's. Dementia. I said, I know what's wrong. So he said, you're making a fine job. Keep going. Yeah, yeah but like... No, I've time. also been to the professor and everything. And, 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 and yeah. the same thing does. We go up there... And he gave me his number. I could ring him any time. But do you have home well, help coming him. in? Do you not have home help coming in a couple no, of times a day? I never had anything like that. Ah, uh, well, we need never to help him. Never had anything like that. No, my family are very good. And I know, I know. I never but listen, them. hang on. But I, I wouldn't know. have them do it. There is no one can look after a person with that disease properly yeah. unless you... Someone, just one person to do it, and you would keep their minds longer going on. You're totally I, devoted to her. I understand that. Why wouldn't oh, you? Oh, I am that. No, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. we're the best friends. Yeah. No, yeah. I could get killed, yeah. or you yeah. don't know what. The way I sure, I know, but I'm just thinking, if there's help available, and there is... Let's get let's get some extra. You know what? Because I'd love that to happen for you. And as well, I was yeah. thinking, wouldn't it be nice if Jean and Eileen and I don't know whether Mary is up to go, but I'm trying. No, she to, wouldn't. And I, I couldn't get out. I couldn't get out. She could go I with have it. been with her. I'm with her twenty four hours a day. Does, does Mary ever go yeah. out though? Oh, she goes out. We take her out. She goes out for a walk. Oh, she's fitter than myself now. 
Right. Because I've organised um, afternoon tea for all of you guys in the Metropole Hotel. Yeah. 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 We were on touch well, we there. Brilliant. We actually got married in the Metropole See, I think it, I, we were just in touch with Aaron Mansworth, the, the GM there, and he, he's yeah. mad looking forward to all of you, a bunch of you going up for either lunch yeah. or if you go for afternoon tea, Gene, you'll get all of the cakes as well. You can test out their cakes. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. it would be a lovely thing for, for you and for... Um, you know, Mary to Eileen, I should say to. I'd love to see you again. But like, I, I only would have to be there. Yeah, I, I no, I mean, how long? Oh, yeah. How long it would last? You would you like know, to? Would like, you like to go and all meet up I for would, afternoon tea? I'd love to get up for uh, for uh, for uh, you know, like for. Just as well. for, I don't know would Mary be up? To, would you but be up with Mary? We can work it out. Yeah. We were married in the Metropole Hotel and we still have yeah, yeah. the photographs. And you want, you want to see the two of us? You know? Million we dollars. look at the pictures now and again. You know, we go back over. The, we have, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? God, that would be still lovely, have, Yeah. That would be lovely to I, meet the three of us. It would be lovely to be talking to you. Yeah, I mean, oh, like, God, I can't someone believe might, this. Might I can't yeah, I, I, I was only thinking of this right. this morning. Okay. I don't know, like, my, I called him Michael when we were on company, but when we were together, we had our yeah. own nickname. I you know, know. We I, were know. Great I know. And we were on more of the bikes. Yeah, I could tell you some yells about that. But I'd yeah, say something. Yeah. yeah. There was someone said to me that I should actually write a book but I wouldn't have the time. And I don't think I did. Well, I tell you something, you've given, you've given people an awful lot of joy now in your conversation with me and yeah. indeed with Eileen this morning, sharing your stories. Yeah. So I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, Eileen, you're, you're yeah. going gonna to catch up with him anyway, either way, and have a good yeah. long chat as to whether yeah. it happens in the Metropole. Yeah. I hope it does. I hope we can work that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you like that, I Eileen? Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I would. Lovely. Would you like it, Eileen? I'd Okay. So let's and make. We'll arrange a day. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah, you'll okay. have to kind of arrange it. Absolutely, there's no rush. The offer is there. We'll make it happen, and if help is needed to make it happen, we'll get you all sitting down over tea and cakes and sandwiches and all sorts of nice yeah. things. Because the Metropole are mad keen to meet you. You got married there, man. You should go back with Mary. I got married here. We've had the four. You see this uh, guy? No, I mean, let's yeah. let's get you in there and Mary. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, walked, I walked in the Metropole at once. Did you? I That's did. Right, yeah. yeah. That's, I didn't know that, no. Well, I was I across did. the road in the Thompson's. I spent yeah, a good few right. years in Thompson's right. Bakery. Well, Eileen, they'd yeah. love to see yeah. you back as well. I know. That's it. I know. I, I, yeah. Oh, I know. beautiful photographs taken on the stairs and... In the metropolitan. Yeah. I know. Hold on, hold on there a second. I, I'm going to talk to Paddy O'Brien in a moment. I just want to talk to Chrissy. Chrissy. Hello, Neil. How are you? Are you telling me that Eugene made your son's wedding cake in 2011? <laughs> 2011, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I said, I, I don't take. You came out of retirement that time. You came yeah. out of retirement to make it for, for Jan and Mary. Oh, John and Mary, that's right. Tell me, Chrissy. 
I was sitting there thousands of them, Trissy. Thousands. I was doing them full time in the marina. And and I my challenge was gorgeous. Well, we're looking forward to the photographs of it this week. <laughs> was it a nice cake? Oh, it was gorgeous. Oh, yes. Royal icing. Not the old stuff, no. They had Marley. That they put. Just only Marley, no. The real stuff. And the real stuff. And the fruit didn't sink in it or anything, no? No, it's all. Just serene, yeah. The secret is probably the whiskey, I suppose, is it, Jane? Yeah. Oh, sorry, Neil, I missed that. I said the secret is probably the whiskey in the cake, is it? <laughs> well, there was a lot. I still have... My son was married three years ago, right? And you made the cake. Right. The last, uh, I made a five-tier cake, and I Please. still have two quarters of that cake left. <laughs> and you can still eat it. Go on. Really? I'll tell you something, right. though, before you go. John Lyons, God rest of me, walking in the UCC. I made his cake, and after four years, he brought back the top tier. That was the old thing you'd done long ago. Yeah. Bring back the yeah. top tier yeah. to be re-iced. I re-iced it after four years and sent it back to him. Let that be a lesson to us all. Let that be a lesson to us all. Chrissy, thanks so much. I just want to have a quick chat with Paddy O'Brien. I don't know how much of the conversation he heard. Hold on there, Jean, if you don't mind, Eileen, as well. Paddy. Eileen, God bless you. No, no, hang on, Jean. You're all right. Hang on a second. Paddy, can you hear me? All right. I can hear you well, Neil. Okay, okay. You see, Jean is looking. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. How are you, Paddy? How are you keeping? I'm very well. I will drop up to see you some afternoon. Yeah, um, we are. And have a chat and see, and see how you're situated. But I must say that you're, you're making yeah. a lot of people very, very happy this morning with that lovely chat with Dale Fendable. You come over as a very sincere person. You love your wife and you're a happy, happy, happy person. And you deserve yeah. now a bit of help so that you can continue yeah. with this happiness. Um, I'll yeah. get the number, Seamus, and I'll pop up yeah. some afternoon and we'll have a chat above in your house or in, in my yeah, car, well, with what, whatever well, you wish to do. I, I'm actually uh, in the son's house now at the moment. We'll make I it up. Down. Don't yeah, worry, Jean. We're like, if there's yeah. one man in car can get you help you, the, you need, that you need, it's the great Paddy yeah. O'Brien. So Paddy, this is great you. for you. This will happen. There yeah. will be help. There well, will be help. Neil, I'll tell you something. If I can get in touch with me, Hal Martin, and he knows the position that I'm in at the moment, I'm nearly at, I'm nearly at breaking point. At times I do feel like throwing in the towel, but I still keep going. But I'm not doing it on my own. You I need to do it. Ricky. It's you the Lord that's helping me. I know. The Lord. I, I yeah. haven't been to yeah. Mass. No, I can't go to Mass or anything. For since we got the coronavirus, I don't get to Mass anymore. Yeah. You know, and right. I'm sad for that. 
All right. Well, Jean, so I can, go, I can yeah. see you anytime at all. All right. And we'll sit down, we'll have a really chat, and we'll see what you want, and I'll do my very, very best to help you. I know you, you will. Over to problem. you, Paddy. All right. Over to you, Paddy. Yeah. Over to you, Paddy. Yeah. All right. Paddy, Listen, Jean, Eileen, yeah. Um, yeah. Hook, up, hook up. Make sure you make a date. Oh, we will. Organize yeah. a time. Let me know if yeah. you need transport to and from the uh, uh, Metropole. Yeah. Actually, I can drive, drive, and I'm still driving. Whatever. Still we'll drive. Drive. Don't worry about it. We'll organize. We can organize cars and stuff. So you'll go I there because... I you... the outside the door there. That's my ambulance for the wife. Well, She's it... in the back oh, yeah. and then I'm in the front. It'll be a wonderful thing if we can make it happen in the Metropole. I chat yeah. I'm delighted <laughs> yeah. for you, Eileen. Yeah. Happy to have helped you to find Jean. Thanks, Thanks very much, Need. ジーンウィリーさんありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございますありがとうございます